I, uh, good to see, see folks uh, saying yes to Jesus and following him all the way. And uh, every third Sunday we have baptism. So if you've not been baptized and you have received Christ, um, don't, don't hesitate. Don't, don't, uh, don't wait because uh, that's the first step of obedience. And God will bless you as you take that step of obedience. I have a question for you. Have you ever had someone give you really good advice? Maybe a parent or a friend or a family member or a teacher or a pastor and didn't take heed but later wish you would have? You look back and you go, that was, you know, that was such good advice. I could have saved myself a lot of problems and a lot of pain if I would have taken it. Anybody? Anybody? Maybe I should ask anybody not have that happen. We've all had that happen, haven't we? And uh, so today we're taking a look as we've been going through the book of Joshua and we're coming to the close of this great book. God has really given us some real uh, jewels in, in our study. And I, um, as, as we're looking at it, we're coming to that place. Listen, it, it was, first of all, a promise that God had for them, the promised land. And he was going to give them a place uh, that they would be blessed, they would live, um, and, uh, and God was going to provide for them. And in the journey, there was battles. They, he prepared them for the battle. The book is divided by the preparation for battle, they go to battle, and then they divide the land. And, uh, and so we're in that place now that they're coming to the end. And what they did is they conquered the, the, the land as a whole. Um, 25 years of, of doing that. And then the land was divided. And for 17 years, the land has been, they, they had gone and now they divided the land up to the different tribes. And they have some battles because now each tribe is whatever remnant is there, they need to drive the people out so they can have the land. And what we're finding is that there are spiritual principles that we discover in that study of what they did that applies to our life today as we fight battles in our own life and what God wants for us. And so um, we're going to take a look. I'm going to be moving quite rapidly um, through these three chapters, and uh, we won't be reading it all, but, but there are some things as he's coming to a close. And right now, the, the, the start, starting point actually uh, today is looking at, they, they've divided the land up, given the land up, all, but now there are two and a half tribes, and they keep coming up at times, uh, Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, because they were... They, they decided to take the land on the east side of the Jordan. Rather than going into mainland Israel, they decided they wanted to stay there. And Moses said, yeah, you can do that. Uh, God said you can do that, but you have to be willing to go into the mainland and help your, your brothers and sisters battle there, fight there, the other tribes. And you have to help them. Once they're done, when, you, when, you're done, when they're done, then you can go back to the land. And that's where it is right now. So in chapter 22, in verse 1, it says, So Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. And he, so he, said, he speaks to them. 
and he says, you know, you've, you've kept what Moses, the servant of the Lord, has commanded you, and so um, now you, can, you, you and your brethren can go back to the land, and you can, to, to your land, and, and go ahead and settle it with your families. And then in verse 6, or verse 5, he says, but take careful heed to do the commandment of the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Take, take careful heed. Could you say that with me? Take careful heed. Careful heed. In other words, really pay attention to do the commandment of the law of the Lord. To do. Now, we're not... The, the evangelical church... In, uh, in America and in some place beyond. I don't want to just criticize the evangelical church in America. But as a whole, when we come to things to do, we kind of jump up and go, wait a minute. We, um, we believe that we're saved by grace. And that's, that's true. That's true. You know, because kind of the... the the, the most important thing as we, you know, are founded in our walk with God and our faith in Christ is that we believe that salvation is by grace through faith. It's a simple Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, that anyone should boast. Nobody's going to get to heaven and go, man, I deserve to be here. Everybody's going to recognize that they're there by grace alone. And so we, we tout that. That's an important, truly biblical um, doctrine that you never want to get away from. We are saved by grace and grace alone, not by works. But then on the other hand of things, because of that, oftentimes whenever people talk about, listen, there's some things you need to do, we go, wait a minute, we're saved by grace. Yeah, which is true. But because we're saved by grace, then there are some things to do. The, the, the reason we do is because. And that's the difference. See, every false te teaching, every, I'm, I say every, every cult, every, um, every false religion in the world holds that same non-truth, that same deception that we're saved by works. We have to do something. We have to, you know, or we have to mix grace and works, and then we're, then we're saved. You have to do something. But, but Christianity is not built upon what we've done. It's built upon what Jesus has done. And that's something we praise God for. That's something we live with uh, just without compromise. It's the accomplishment of Jesus Christ on the cross. Well, but then, and then it doesn't end there. Even though salvation is by grace, um, God is not happy with us not living out what he's commanded to us. In fact, we understand that the commandments of the Lord, that God wants us to walk in all the commandments of the Lord. Look what it says. Take heed, be careful. Take careful heed to do the commandments of the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. And they, so 
they, Joshua gives them the command. And this is what this section is about. In fact, the whole book, he keeps saying to, to us, be careful to do what God has asked you to do. In fact, what we learn, the main lesson through this whole book is this. Wait, hear from God, and then do what God says. When you're, you're in the battles, when you're f facing the challenges that you face in your life, when you're facing temptation, all these things, when you're facing fears in your life, all these things, remember this, to, to listen to what God says and do what God says. And they learn, some of the times they learn the hard way, just like we all have in our lives, where we have, you know, good advice. Listen, the best advice that you ever get comes from God and his word. That's the best advice you'll ever get. It comes from the Lord. And so, if you want good advice, take heed to what God has said. And that's really the story here. He's telling them, take heed. Do what God has told you to do. Don't forget. Don't get away from it. I want you to do this. And he's reminding them before they, they're going to go back to the land. And then it says uh, in, there in verse 8, he says, return with much riches to your tents and very much livestock with silver and gold and bronze with iron, when with very much clothing divide the spoils of your enemies with your brethren. So he says, take what you have because they have battled and they had victory. They have much that has come to them. They have much. He says, go share it because that's what, that's what we do. That's what people of God do. We share. We share what we have. And so then they go back and they're crossing over the Jordan and they're thinking, really, we don't know all that they're thinking here. But one of the things they're, 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 they're thinking, they're going over, but way back in the mainland and Sechem at the time, there is a, the tabernacle of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, the place of worship. That's where all the children of Israel gather. But they're on the other side of the Jordan. So why don't we make something closer to us to worship. And so what they do is they actually build an altar to the Lord. Now that sounds like a good thing. The problem is that when they built the altar to the Lord, it was not to be. God had already set up his established way of worship. You know, when we come to worship God, and you've heard people say this, I worship God in my own way. Well, actually, you're supposed to worship God God's way. Doesn't God get the right to say how he wants to be loved? He, he has the right to say how he wants to be worshipped. And so, we all have this desire. We all have this need for worship. You were created that way. You have this heart for worship in you. And in fact, you go all over the world, people worship God. In fact, any culture that, you know, has stamped out worship, it's because they had to physically, forcibly end worship in that, in that, in that nation. Like what it, and the attempt doesn't really work even. Like in China right now, I mean, there's tremendous pressure against Christians. And if you're caught with the Bible or going to a meeting where Christians are, um, they are right now docking people so that it, it affects their, their ability to um, provide for their family and, and uh, money and, and uh, get loans. and all, all Economically, they're putting pressure. Then they're throwing people in prison. And yet, in China right now, there's over 100 million Christians. So, 
they can't stop it. You can't stop it because why? People want to worship. But in many places in the world, worship is done wrong. It's not worshiping the true and living God. And so as they're setting up worship, there's the risk factor of them actually starting to worship even other gods. And the mainland, uh, you know, um, uh, Israel, the, the, the tribes there, see that what they're doing and they, they start to, they, they get their armies together. We're going to attack them because they're going to be worshiping a false god. And news gets out that they're, they're, you know, forming an army against them, and they come and say, wait, 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 wait. This isn't what happened. We're not building an altar to worship. We're just building a memorial. Now, whether they were or not, we don't know, but this is what they're telling them. We're just building a memorial to remember what God has done. That's not a bad idea, actually. But when it can become a place of worship, see, God has the right to say, this is how you worship. And we gather to worship God God's way. And God has given us much instruction in the scripture on how worship is to be done. And how we, we lift our hearts to the Lord. And what we do when we lift our hearts and our lives to the Lord. Even physical um, expressions of worship to God. But most of all, in the way we serve God, which is worship. And so, he, he invites us to always worship God God's way. And not to, you know, not to decide I'm going to worship God my way. And the way we worship God is discovered in the scriptures and it tells us what pleases the Lord in that. Well, in chapter 23 and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to the Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old, advanced in age. So Joshua's old. And then it says, and Joshua called all Israel and their elders for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. So he's kind of old. He's over, probably over 100 years old. He dies at 110. Lived a long, blessed life in, in that. And, uh, and it says in verse 3, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done, to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Now this keeps coming up. He says, it's the Lord who's fighting for you. The Lord is doing this. The, the reason you won is because of God. You think about this, they, they only had a little over 30 people who had died in, the, in all the years of battles in all of Israel. That the only recorded was the one time when they disobeyed God, didn't ask God, went on their own, didn't have enough soldiers, and lost soldiers. And there's no record of anyone else ever dying in war. And they did win because God was with them. And, and God fought for them. And he reminds them, you know, because what happens to us? Well, when we look back, you know, I always say, the older I get, the better I was. And, and you know, you look back, man, we fought. We fought courageously. We were, we were mighty men and women. We were mighty soldiers, you know. And, uh, and forget that it was God who fought for us. It was God who strengthened us. It was God that made the difference in our life. 
Let me ask this question. How many of you would say, you know, since I've come to Christ in my life, I've changed, and it's been for the good. My, because of Christ, I've had change go on in my life, and I'm not what I used to be. It might not be, you know, what I hope to be someday, but, but I'm not what I, how many would say that, 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 that kind of explains your, your walk with God? You, you've changed, you've seen God do a change in your life. Now, let me ask you this. How much was you and how much was God? Because the assumption that I think sometimes as people look back and go, yeah, I made this decision and this decision was, you know, and it helped me and I did this and, you know, and I read my Bible and I prayed and I got, whatever. Okay, good for you. I know for me, listen, you would not like me, not that you do now, but you would not have liked me before I came to Christ. I mean, you would not have, and I wouldn't have liked you. But Jesus changes, and Jesus makes us different. Jesus, Jesus produces things. He's, we, we have victories in our life because Jesus has done that. And the battle was his. And, and we need to be reminded just like they did that the Lord has given them victory. And then it says in verse 6, Therefore, be very courageous and keep to keep and to do, everybody say all. All that is written in the book of the law of Moses. All. Not some. Not a portion. All. All. He says, do all that the Lord has commanded you. Everything, nothing else. Now, see, partial obedience is not obedience. God, God requires all. And I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute, you know. No one's perfect. That, that's not the issue. Not the issue whether you're perfect or not. We all know that. Listen, don't use that as an excuse. Well, I'm not perfect. I was talking to someone this week who was planning on doing something sinful. And, and, and before they did it, he said to me, well, no one's perfect. No, he said this, I'm not perfect. So is that an excuse for doing wrong? No, it isn't. Because God's commandment isn't, well, you're not perfect, so only do some of the things I say. He, he commands us, to do all. And that should be, in fact, not being fully obedient to God should not satisfy us. We can't be satisfied with the fact that, that we're not being fully obedient to the Lord because God wants us to be moving in that direction. It says, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And lest you go among these nations, these um, the who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them, for, for you shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. So what, he, what he's telling them is that if you get around these nations, you're not obedient to the Lord, then you're going to, they're going to affect you. They're going to cause you to stumble. 
They're going to affect you. You're going to end up serving. He says, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One, one man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord God, he is he who fights for you as he promised. Listen, the Lord has done this. Therefore, take he careful heed to yourself that you love the Lord your God. Take heed that you love the Lord. Or else, if. So he says, he says, take heed that or else if. It's interesting how the Lord motivates us. The first, the first way in which God motivates you is through the love of the Lord. It's, you know, the, it's a, the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. God's goodness, God's offering. He offers us blessing. He offers us heaven. He offers us a relationship with him for eternity. He offers us to be joint heirs with Christ. I mean, the offers of God are abundant. You shall have abundant life in Christ. But then, if that doesn't motivate you, then he has the other side of the story. But if you don't, then there are these consequences in your life. And there's these payments to be paid. So, you know, you can, you can jump in because of God's love, or maybe you can jump in because you don't want the consequences, but either way, God is willing to draw you in and wants you to follow and serve him and, and to get all that he has for you and plan for you in your life. And so he says, if indeed you do go back, cling to the, the, the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make mar marriage with them and go in to them and they to you, know, he's saying this is what you need to know, for certain. Everybody say no for certain. Are you with me with this? Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord God has given you. In other words, you're going to lose it all. If you don't, take heed. So he gives us here this antidote for perishing in the land. And, and the first thing he says is basically draw Draw toward God. Draw toward God. Love the Lord your God. Love God. Love God. That's, that's, that's the answer, is to love God with all your heart and with all your soul. That, that's, you know, that's where you draw in. Love the Lord. You want the full blessing of what God wants for you in the land, then love the Lord. And second of all, draw away from the world. Don't get cozy with those who don't love the Lord. Is basically don't, you know. In, in uh, th there's a biblical view or, or um, understanding of friendship, and there is our cultural understanding of fr friendship. Our cultural understanding of friendship isn't wrong; it's just different, and you just need to know the difference. That that we listen, we meet somebody, and all of a sudden they're our friend. This is my friend. We even describe hey, this is my friend. This is my new friend. You see. And you can hardly know them. And, and you know, you, people say, oh, you know, hundreds of friends. I have, you know, Facebook even, you know. I got a couple thousand friends, you know. 
Don't know who all of them are, but they're friends. So that's kind of, the, the, you know, that's kind of our cultural concept of friend. But um, the biblical concept of friend is people you do life with, you see. People you actually do life with. And what he's explaining here is that, that there needs to be an understanding that the people you do life with cannot be the people who worship other gods or don't worship the Lord. That, that you cannot do life with. Now, now, I've had people say, well, you know, they've come to Christ and they've been taught about the importance of, you know, separating from the world. And they go, well, I'm going to go tell my friends, you know, I can't be friends with them anymore. No, no, that's not what, that's not even what, they're not even an idea like that in the heart of God when he talks about this. You know, how are you going to win people to Christ if you don't have relationship with, there's certain element of relationship just to, to lead people to the Lord. And, and, and God wants us to love everybody, not just the body of Christ. So he's not saying that you are to, you know, leave, but what he's saying is if you are totally pursuing God, totally pursuing Jesus, what you'll find is that the people you live, do life with, the people who don't do life and cannot do it in fellowship because of relationship with Christ, they won't do life with you. That you, you serve the Lord and people that don't do life in Christ will fall off. When I came to Christ, just me and one other friend came to the Lord, and I, had a, I have a bunch of friends I grew up with. And um, I, I grew up in the same neighborhood since I was three years old. So I had buddies that we went to kindergarten together all the way through high school, all the way through. And then some, some of us went to the same, you know, college to begin with and different. I mean, but that, those friendships, they were long-time friends for a long time. And then I come to Christ, right? I come to Christ when I'm 19. And this is, this is what happened. Several of my friends also became Christian because we, you know, and, and for me, they were my friends. I'm not, they're my buddies. But there was something about now the choices I was making as a follower of Jesus that didn't work well with what they were wanting in, a, in their friendship. And uh, so there so I, I would even go, I'd go to the parties with them, but I wouldn't do the drugs and I wouldn't do the drinking anymore. And I wasn't carousing. I mean, it, it was, you know, I'd be there, I'd be kind of even, kind of uncomfortable in, in, in that environment, I'd be with my buddies. Have you ever noticed that when someone's loaded or drunk, they want you to be loaded or drunk? That's the way it works. If you're, you know, they, you, hey, come on, what's wrong? Have a, you know, and it's like all of a sudden, they didn't care where, didn't care about that before, but now it was really a big deal. And, um, and so when, when I came to Christ, I gave up that stuff right away. I stopped drinking, I stopped doing drugs right away. And, uh, and I'm so grateful the Lord helped me with that because I think I would have been a mess. I don't think I could have done well. And, and I know I couldn't have, I and mean, you can't sin. And by the way, you know, and the idea of drinking, I had friends who, um, who were Christians that still, still drank, but I couldn't. 
and I wouldn't. And I don't even, you know, like if you drink um, a little bit of wine, I don't think you're going to go to hell. I don't think that's in the Bible. But I knew this. Um, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a partial guy, I'm, a, I'm all the way. Like, even now as I get older, I try to watch what I eat and stuff, but when I go to In-N-Out Burger, I don't get the little hamburger thing, you know, with the little one patty. Man, it's a double-double and fries, and I wish I had that extra-large fries. And I mean, I go all, that's how I do it. Not only that, you know, they give you fries, and... Carol will always go, I'll say, do you want some fries? She'll say, well, could I have some of yours? And, and, and I can't say no, you know. I, I'll say, well, I'll buy you one. No, oh, no, I don't want them. And, and if I, like, push it, she sees that I'm pushing it. She'll go, I don't want any. I don't want any. So then I feel bad. So I'll go, okay, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll share. But then I'll look and think, she took three fries. Now, listen, this is what I found. I don't know if this is true for all women, but a lot. I can put a lot of you ladies in the category. That sharing is a relational thing when you share food. That, in fact, if I really want my wife to be happy, um, really happy, and I don't usually when I, do want, when I go to the restaurant, kind of, it's all about me. But when I do, I, if I really want to make happy, I'll say, hey, you want to share a meal? And she'll actually share a meal that I would like more than she'll like. She won't even argue about, she'll be just happy that I'm sharing, because see, that's, that's relationship. So sharing fries is a relational thing, you see. And uh, don't judge me. I can just, I kind of feel this. <laughs> but, so I, I, I can't do little. Let me say, I do want to say this. Getting drunk is sin. If you, if you get drunk, you're sinning. That's the Bible, God's word. Do not be drunk. You get loaded, you're sinning. It's a sin against God. So people go, well, how much can I drink and not get drunk? And I go, I don't want to get close. I don't even want to get close. And uh, that's a decision I made a long time ago I never regret. Actually, I, I got good advice. And I heard it, and I said, okay, I'll go down that road. And uh, I've lived that. I've lived that road. But you see, when you get into the world, and, and the whole point is that there's that, that when you're walking with Christ, that the only way to walk with Christ is wholeheartedly, is complete and fully, totally surrendered. Whatever it takes, Jesus Christ is first in my life. The only way. Jesus made this statement. He said, if you're going to follow me, then take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily. He says, you, or, you cannot be my disciple, he said. You cannot be dis my disciple if you don't take up your cross and follow me. Now, what is he saying? Well, there's two ways of interpreting that. One is the cannot means 
I'm not going to let you. That, that, you know, if you don't take up your cross, I am not going to let you be my disciple. You can't do it. The other way is that Jesus is saying, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you'll not be, you cannot because you cannot make it. You cannot be my disciple. You'll never make it if you're not sold out. If you don't take up the cross, you'll never make it. There's going to be too much coming at your way to try to be my disciple and only be halfway in. You can't be that. If, it, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to go all the way. That's why 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come to me fully. So in verse 14, Joshua says, Behold, this day I am going the way of the earth. What is that? Well, that's, he, he's going to die. Because we all do. That's the way of the earth. Unless we're in the group that Jesus takes back. He comes back for. But other than that, we're all going in the way of the earth. He says, and you know in all your hearts and all your soul that not one thing has failed from all the good things which the Lord God has, has spoken concerning you. And then in Verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for the heads of their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves uh, before God. In verse 13, it says, And I have given you a land for which you you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves uh, which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve God, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt, serving the Lord. And if it seems evil uh, to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. I think that's a good question for us to ask today. I think God is asking each and every one of us this. Serve, choose today who you will serve. You can't serve God partially. So you have to make a choice. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were in the other side of the river, the gods of Amorites, of the land that you dwell. Listen, the gods of today are not the idols that they had to face. The gods of today is the worship of, of, of man's way as opposed to God's way. Man's way. It is, a, it is a cult of, of humanism that permeates our land today. And it's a choice we make between following the ways of our world or following the ways of God. But as for me and my house, he says, I will serve the Lord. You've heard that before. I, 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 just, I just stand and say the same thing as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. That's who we choose to serve. So the people answered and said, for be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. We're not going to do that. We're going to serve the Lord. 
And he says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has has done you good already. He says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the, Lord, serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for, uh, for yourself to serve. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, Joshua says, you can't serve God. He says, you, you, you can't serve God. You have a problem. Your problem is you have foreign gods still. You've got to get rid of them. He says, for the Lord God is holy. He's holy. So, He's, he's telling them ahead of time what we just said. You can't serve the Lord partially. He, he, he's telling them you can't serve the Lord because, well, because God's holy. And you have gods that you're serving. And they said, well, we'll put away those gods and we'll serve the, the Lord wholeheartedly. And they did. The scripture says that through Joshua's life and the elders, they served the Lord for a while. But then they, well, they went the way of often men go. At some point when things are going and then you forget that it was the Lord who delivered you, it was the Lord who helped you, it was the Lord that was with you, and they ended up going the other direction. I, I guess I guess if there's anything you take home with you today, it's this that you have to make the choice that you're going to follow the Lord. But there's one other thing that they didn't have that you do if you're a follower of Jesus. They didn't have the Holy Spirit guiding them and directing them in their life and empowering them on a daily, on a, on a full-time basis. Because of the new covenant, because of what Jesus did and he sent the Holy Spirit, you and I have a strength that they didn't have. And we can call upon the Lord, we can invite the Lord to help us and strengthen us and, and encourage us and empower us and give us wisdom in our life as we're wanting to serve the Lord and follow the Lord. We can rely on God to help us in this. It's not just us making a decision, but it's us making a decision with the help of the Holy Spirit helping us to walk through this. God's still asking us, because there's really still no other way but full, sold out, on fire for Jesus. And don't you want, isn't that what you want anyhow? Isn't that what you're hoping for, that your life will reflect a life that's sold out for God? You know, this, th- this is a story that comes, and I'm gonna end with this. This is a story that comes oftentimes in people's lives 
they, they come to Christ and God does a great work and transforms some things in their life and their life seems to actually get better and, you know, they, they make better decisions in life and, and God comes alongside and blesses them and, and, they, and then as they're moving on in life, it's a, a, a state of comfortableness. I'm pretty comfortable. And, and there are certain things I do you know, I, there, 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 there are things I do as a Christian that is, it's just kind of part of what it means to be a Christian, and you do these things, you know, like you come to church regularly, and, and you, you know, you maybe fellowship a little bit, and, and you read your Bible periodically, and, and you kind of, you coast in it. And this is where Jesus said, unless you take up your cross daily, you cannot be my disciple. Because inevitably, if you're coasting, you're going to come to a stop. And as I was told early on in my walk with God, that your Christian life is like getting in a canoe and rowing upstream. Once you stop rowing, you're going backwards. And wherever you are, it's never too late to say today, this day, I choose to follow Jesus. That's what God would have you do. I choose today to follow Jesus. I'm going to break out in song. You might want to put your fingers in your ears. This old song just came to my heart this morning in the first service. And... Uh, you, you, many of you know it, and it's real simple. It goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Lord, that is our choice, our decision that, Lord, you've given us. And I, Lord, would agree with many people here right now that are saying, Jesus, I just want to confirm again, I make the choice to follow you wholeheartedly. Lord, wherever I come short, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. There's, there's growth still to happen in my life. And Lord, I'm not going to give in to the enemy. I'm going to take courage, as your word says, and I'm going to move forward in following you with everything within me. I pray your help, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you fill us, Lord, fresh and new. And then if there's anyone here or online that you've not given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to say yes to the Lord. Just simply invite you. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I choose you as my Savior. I believe you died for my sins and you were buried and conquered death. So, Jesus, I ask you to cleanse my soul and help me as I make the decision today to follow you from now on. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, go to our website, CC Anaheim, 
and let us know, ccanheim.com, and just let us know that you said yes to Jesus, and we'll send you some information, help you in your walk with God. Can we just close and worship? Are you ready to do that? Let's just worship the Lord.
on Wednesday or Sunday.